Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 86. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Hey, 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 what's up, my friends? How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Today is another coaching call. These are so fun for me. I love being able to connect with you guys and coach you. And today's episode is no exception. So I do want to let you know that I talked about a freebie download that I had offered on a previous podcast when I was coaching her and I could not remember which episode it was. I promised that on this part, I would tell you what it was. And it was from from episode 50. So five zero, and you can find that download if you're looking for it at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash 50 download. So katrinaubellmd.com forward slash five zero download, and you'll be able to get that worksheet that I'm talking about. So on this episode, I talk to Melissa and coach Melissa about sugar and trying to get away with having a little more sugar and getting off sugar and getting back on sugar and then losing weight and gaining some back and all that kind of drama and yo-yoing that goes along with that. And then really figuring out what is going on beneath that. And I think this is an episode you're really going to enjoy. I think so many of you are going to be able to relate to this and start applying this to your lives. And I can't wait to see what you think. Okay. Enjoy this coaching call with Melissa. All right, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. So you were just telling me about sugar, everyone's favorite, and we love to hate it too, right? (laughs) It's so evil, yet so delicious. Okay, so you had told me that you kind of go off of it, 
and you lose some weight and you kind of start experimenting with how much you can get away with you. That was, those were your words, what, how much you can get away with. And then you kind of regain some of that. So tell me a little bit more about that process, like what you do when you are losing weight and how that's different when you find yourself regaining it. Right. Well, when I've been paying more attention and actually thinking like, am I hungry or am I just anxious or am I just angry or sad or something else? And then I choose not to eat it or have like a small piece of dark chocolate instead of something else, then I'm actually losing the weight. But then I sort of get excited after a while, like, oh my gosh, I've lost 10 pounds. That's awesome. Maybe I can still have ice cream. Mm -hmm. And it starts with, oh, I'll just have it once a week. And then, oh, what if I have it just on the weekends, like both days of the weekends? And then next thing you know, there's like sugar every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that totally makes sense though, right? When you think about how the brain works, because it overemphasizes the importance of the sugar because of the dopamine response that you get from that. And what I always think is that, you know, even if I don't have sugar for a long time and, you know, I mean, I think this varies depending on the person, but you end up having a bunch of it. Your brain's like, oh, yay, we're doing this again. Okay. You know, right. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, I know this pattern. Yes. Okay. Desire like crazy ice cream every day. Like, all right. I know how to do this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting to see that pattern, right? Where it's like, okay, let me just not have it. Now, for sure, an issue here then is over desire, right? Because you don't have it or you're feeling your emotions, you're tapping into what's going on for you, actually assessing whether you're hungry or not, and then and losing some weight. So it's like, we know that works. You know, I always love it when, you know, my clients are like, darn it, my plan actually works when I follow it. (laughs) I hate it when that happens, right? Because it's like, we just are like, no, it's for sure there's something wrong with it. That's why I'm not losing weight. No, it's actually because you're just not following the plan. Not following it. (laughs) So then you still have some over desire, right? You have the, the thoughts of like, I wonder what I can get away with. Yeah. I think that also when I was succeeding, I had tried to find like alternatives. So instead of like Haagen-Dazs, I found Trader Joe's has like a very like gluten, I think it's gluten-free and it's actually dairy-free frozen thing that's like mango and a little bit of vanilla. And I would just eat that and I was fine. Then so one, it's like you're kind of subbing one thing for the other. So. Right. And yeah. and it was enough that it was like enough small, less, less sugar that it was still working. Mm-hmm. And eventually the, the hardcore sugar makes its way back in. Right. And you know, that's what's actually so interesting too, is even if you don't have the thoughts of like, well, let me see how much I can get away with, you know, as you lose weight, especially depending on how much you have to lose, like the amount of food that you can eat has to reduce. You know what I mean? Like we see that all the time. I for sure saw that with myself and with my clients too, where they're like, when I think about what I was losing weight eating, you know, 30 pounds ago or something, it's like, right. But Right. You're 30 pounds less. And so, you know, I think of like how I would eat when I lost weight, I would full on gain weight if I ate that now. It was just too much food, even if it was on plan stuff. So sometimes it's kind of that idea too of like, oh, I guess I've just got to wrap my brain around the fact that I just am not, it, it appears my the information my body is telling me is that I'm not able to, to eat that way and still keep losing. So that's really interesting when you talk about subbing out something that seems also like a treat, but less sugar, maybe, you know, less fat or smaller amount or something like that. And, you know, it sounds to me like, you know, this already, but I'll just point it out to you that 
what it's doing is it's sort of like taking the Band-Aid off really, really gradually rather than just ripping it off in the sense that the over-desire stays there right. and it's still using food to make yourself feel better. Because I'm assuming the Trader Joe's mango thing is not particularly like fuel for your body, I would guess. You tell me. No, not really. Yeah. But Nutritionally, like, you'd be okay without it, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, I don't yeah. need it. Right. So, so if we are looking to have food really just be fuel, then it's worthwhile to go through the process of stepping away from that kind of having a little treat, like after dinner or whenever you're kind of having it, or, you know, kids are having ice cream, then I'll have this instead of working through what is it that makes you want to eat that. Right. Right. Because it's not even about that. I mean, with the sugar, for sure, you get cravings when your brain is, you know, used to it. But when you're off of it for a while, that reduces a lot. And then it really is your thinking that is what's creating all of that desire. So tell me what your thoughts are. So you, I mean, you did tell me that one of your thoughts was, I wonder how much I can get away with. Right. I mean, yeah, I think the scientist in me is like, well, I'm sure there's got to be a balance here somewhere where I could have it a little bit, but not go overboard. But I, it just, it does it never works like that. Right, right. Always it sounds going. like a really good thought, right? You're like, I'm a scientist. This is research. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm just trying to make it better for my patients. <laughs> right. For sure. Someone has figured out the solution and just hasn't shared it. It's my obligation right. to do this. Right. Yeah. The other thing that I found when I was actually succeeding better was right right now, like there are a lot of fresh berries. So instead of like having ice cream or candy or whatever, I would have some strawberries or some raspberries or blueberries or blackberries. And so, you know, my husband's like, why are you buying so many berries and cherries? And I'm like, so I don't eat other stuff, right? <laughs> but it's actually healthy sugar, mostly. Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, some people really find that, that their brain is so like, I need to have some sort of sugar. I need to, I mean, you may have listened to that podcast episode I did with Jill Larson, who's a former client of mine. And she really thinks about herself and sugar as sort of like an addiction model where, right. Like, it's like, I need to have something I, you know, it's like going from, you know, being addicted to narcotic pills to actually shooting up heroin or something. It's, you know, it's just like, I need to be getting my fix from someplace rather than just going like, okay, I don't need to have that. Now, some people don't even like fruit and it's just not even that big of a thing for them. And for other people, it really, it, it'll do the trick too. Like I, you know, it's, right. it's better than ice cream, but it still kind of gives you that hit. And this isn't good or bad. It's really just something interesting to notice about yourself, like where your brain will be like, but there's still some pleasure that we haven't gotten from food yet. So how about we just eat a bunch of berries and cherries and that kind of thing? You know what I mean? Like that's definitely going to be going to be the solution. So, so it's, you know, it's interesting to just kind of have that thought process or just understanding that that's what's going on there. And not that that's bad, right? Like it really could be that like fruit is the way that you get yourself off of the other stuff. And then, you know, maybe you cut down a little on the volume of fruit or you just have it once a day or something like that while you're working on reducing that desire. But so much desire is created by what we think too. And so I wanted to just ask you, when you think the thought, I wonder how much I can get away with, you know, referring to sugar, what emotion does that create for you? How do you feel? I mean, I think it ends up making me anxious, even though I'm trying to like probably solve some anxiety. But, but I think before I started listening to the podcast, I would just 
eat whatever was not nailed down with the idea of, well, if I eat it, then it's gone and I can't have any more. Yeah. Um, and so I've come like a long way from that, but there's still, I think some really like if I'm worried about my kids or you know, there's some, some really good ones that'll get me. So that I'm just like, I know that I'm full and I do not need to eat this, but I'm missing my daughter who's at camp right now. So I'm just going <laughs> to eat the ice cream that she and I like. Right. It's like a little comfort thing. It's really, really good that you can see that right? It's not like, because we tend to be so surface level with the food and, and spend a lot of time thinking about food and, and maybe I should make this different recipe. And for sure, there's just a different eating plan out there that's the solution. Like none of that is the solution, right? <laughs> the, the issue is that you're feeling an uncomfortable emotion and you want to feel better. And right. food is your you know, choice way of doing that as it is for me, right? So it's like for other people that are drinking alcohol a bunch or spending too much or whatever. And for us, it's food and it's so easily available. And it makes us feel, especially when we're anxious, we often feel out of control. And it is always, it's a very, food is very reliable, right? It makes us <laughs> feel in control and it just gives us that comfort that we're looking for. And so when you can recognize that, right? Like that's really your model here is I wonder how much I can get away with. The feeling is anxious. My action is eat sugar right? Like just, you know, see, but then when you're eating sugar out of anxiety, the result is that you can't get away with much, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I wonder how much, not much. Look yeah. Two better. pounds worth. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And so instead of kind of making it about the food or I wonder how much sugar I can have, the real work here is what is the emotion that I'm experiencing that I'm unwilling to feel? Right. And, you know, what is it about anxiety that's so uncomfortable for me that I feel like I need to make it go away or distract myself from it? Because it really does make you feel better when you eat the food, right? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it really does. I really like mint chip, hagen <laughs> Yeah, right. It works. I mean, it totally works. It's just the issue of, you know, the downside on the back end, right? So, yeah. so it's, it's, this is sometimes kind of the hard sell for people because they're like, no, I don't really want to get into the emotional stuff. But it's like, the whole issue is the emotional stuff. It's the once you really dig into that is when you start going, okay, I start actually seeing how, you know, this is how naturally thin people eat. You know, they don't think about food all the time because why would they use food to feel better about an emotion? Like they don't have that connection like we do, right. where it's like, this is a solution to that. So what we have to work toward is undoing that connection and being willing to look into that on our own. So the way that you do that is, a stepwise process for most people. <laughs> Maybe you'll be able to just go, I'm all in, I'm feeling all the emotions, like I'm just doing this. But what more people tell me is that it's more like they've eaten the food. And then after the fact, they're like, oh, crap, like, why did I just do that again? Shoot, you know, that I wasn't going to do that. I said this morning, I wasn't going to do that. Now I just did it again. Like, what's wrong with me? And then going into a whole, you know, beating yourself, beating yourself up kind of a thing. And so what I want you to think about is the idea of even if it's already happened, committing to spending some time thinking about what led up to all of that. Like what made you think that food was the solution? Like what was actually going on for you? And not in a way where you're like, you know, more opportunity to beat yourself up or be disgusted with yourself or upset with yourself, but with true, honest curiosity and compassion for yourself, just wanting to understand, like truly taking on the scientist approach. Like, I just really am wondering what was that? Not expecting one thing or the other, not trying to prove a hypothesis, 
instead really just going, so when did that start? What was my deal with that? What was I actually feeling that I wasn't willing to feel? Or really was it just habit and I need to be more aware because it was like before I even knew it, boom, this is the pattern I was eating it. Like, I don't know the answer, but you do when you spend the time looking into that. And, you know, a number of podcasts ago, I should have probably had this available to you, but maybe I'll put it in the, (laughs) I'll tell everybody about it in the beginning, but I'd offered a download worksheet that I use called the write it down and move on worksheet. And that's a perfect worksheet to use in this kind of scenario. Again, not so that it's like, oh, this is how I confess my sins on this thing. It's much more of, let me just see like, what was it that I did, which can take some shame out of it because sometimes there is that element too of just wanting to hide and not really, you know, really fess up to it or whatever. But, but looking at it, okay, what did I do? What was going on for me? Let me actually process what that all was. And also think about what I might be able to do differently next time. Because what we think we're going to do is we're like, okay, I'm just going to beat myself up. And then certainly I'll do better next time. Has that ever worked for you? Uh, Not so much. No, me neither. Me neither. Right. So we keep thinking like, oh, okay, that's it. Never again. I'm not doing this. Like, oh, never again. Right. And then we Every time I say I'm not going to eat sugar for like X number of time, like one year, like maybe this year, I was like, I'm not going to eat sugar for a year. My husband just laughed. (laughs) He's like, I can't even pretend that I know you're like, you're just not going to do that. I can't even pretend that you're really going to do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so instead it's just taking the moment to go, okay, next time, what is something that might actually work that I could try? Again, being that scientist of like, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I don't know what it's going to be, but certainly what I'm doing isn't working. That I, that we can all agree on. So right, right. if that's the case, then what might be something that I can try tomorrow or the next time this kind of scenario comes up? And this is perfect for people who have trouble with vacations or traveling. And if that doesn't come up that often, we're often like, well, but I don't travel that much to practice it. But you can still anticipate what the issues might be for you going into it. And then on the tail end, if some things didn't go that well, taking that time to actually think about it will help you again. You have that plan. Then the next time you travel, you're like, oh, right. Okay. I was going to try that this time instead of thinking you have to reinvent the whole wheel every single time, you know? So then what ends up happening is you're in the middle of eating the ice cream when you go, oh, wait. I wasn't going to eat ice cream. (laughs) And then, and then we, you know, really the practice is stopping. Yeah. I did recently, like at work, they have some snacks Mm -hmm. and they have cookies, which I'm usually gluten-free. So I'm usually like not even going to think about them, but for some reason I wanted them and I ate one. And then I was like, I I don't even want this. I threw out the other cookie, which I never would have done. Yeah. I started listening to the podcast. Yeah, well, that I mean, it's huge, right? Like totally giving yourself a pat on the back for that because that is totally you going, wait a minute, this is not the pattern that I want to be following right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's fabulous. So you figure that out and you're, you're in the middle of it. And then even right then, this doesn't take a long time typically to just go, so what am I actually feeling? Like getting out of your head and into your body, what is the emotion that I'm having right now? And so if think about that, that time when you ate the cookie. Can you think about what emotion you're feeling? Well, I was at work, so I'm usually fairly stressed and I have it set up so that I can try to, I basically work through my lunch, not that I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to, but trying to do all my charts from the morning so I can go Mm -hmm. into the afternoon with a a clear desktop. But Mm -hmm. I can't think specifically, I mean, 
We have a lot, I work at a federally qualified health center. So I have a lot of patients that are very sick that don't even have insurance and it's very hard to help them. So I'm not sure if it was like related to them yeah. or, you know, but overall it was like a feeling of stress. Yeah. Just stress. Yeah. Like I got so much to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe a little overwhelm. Yeah. Definitely. A little stress and overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing I'll, I'll touch on actually both of these emotions because we could probably spend some time thinking about what those thoughts were that created those, but you even kind of just told me, right? Thoughts about patients and all the stuff that you have to do. So, you know, the thing with overwhelm is overwhelm never has anything to do with how much you have to do, even though we really think we do. We would feel a lot less overwhelmed if we just didn't have so much to do. So it, it, that's this is how we all think, right? But right. overwhelm is truly just a reflection of what's going on in your brain. And so you don't need less to do. What you need is to get your brain in check. Because you think about it, when you're overwhelmed, what do you do? And the answer is nothing. Right. And then, <laughs> or, and then, you're, and then it's worse. Right. Then it's, yeah, then exactly. Like nothing productive in terms of helping you to do those things that you're stressed about having to do. And so when you can identify, okay, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. You know, I'm not getting anything done then you can go, okay, well, so what are my thoughts about this? Like, it's never going to get done. There's not enough time. It's too much. Whatever your thoughts are going, okay, well, what if that wasn't even true? What if there was plenty of time? Or, you know, just questioning some of those things. And that's how you can kind of coach yourself with that. The thing with stressed, I always think stressed is so interesting. I asked you what your your feeling was because I actually assumed that your feeling was stressed. And I thought, well, I should ask her what her feeling is. You're like stressed. I'm like, yeah, we all know, like we're all the same. Right. So, so the thing with stress is, and, and using that as an emotion, that's what a lot of people say. And, and I agree like that is what we're feeling, but when you really delve deeper into what stress really is, it is more than just stress. Like it's usually fear of some sort. It's, you know, fear for those patients, fear that they won't get the care that they need, fear that maybe they'll have some sort of bad outcome, fear that you won't be able to help them the way you should, fear that you might make a mistake, fear, I mean, right, like we could go on and on and on of all the fears and the kind of label we put on that is stress. So when you think, oh, I just need to be a lot less stressed, I need less stress, I need to see fewer patients, I need to have more help in the office so I can be less stressed. Maybe, but also maybe a lot of that is really related to just your thinking. And so it doesn't mean that you don't have concern for them. It doesn't mean that you, you know, do anything that you don't care, you know, that you withdraw any of that. But instead just going like, oh, okay, I'm feeling all this tension and all this stress because I'm worried because I'm afraid for them. And I think that when you can put that label on it, I think when we hear fear, we're like, oh, okay, well, fear feels bad. Like maybe I can think about this in a different way. Whereas stress sounds like a little more glamorous, you know, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) right, totally. And it also, I think stress is also like, it's other things. It's not me. Yes. It's outside of me. And it's, and I can't help it. Right. Right. Like if they, if I didn't work in this kind of a health center where these people's lives were so messed up or, you know, they were having so many struggles, then I wouldn't have to be so stressed when it's like, no, actually the stress is a hundred percent created by your thoughts, you know? And I think sometimes when we hear about that, we're like, oh, so like, I shouldn't be 
I shouldn't be worried about them or like I shouldn't, you know, almost like it's like I shouldn't care about their lives or, or the struggles that they have. And it doesn't mean that at all. It's just recognizing that fear is not a great driving force to take the actions that you want to take to really help these people, right? I mean, you work there for a reason because you want to help them, right? Like there would be yeah. other places you could work if you wanted to, right. right? So so if it's like, okay, well, I see that this stress actually makes me take actions that don't help them as much, then yeah. maybe I'm going to be willing to change that. You know, so can you think of ways that the the stress or the fear actually has you doing things that are counterintuitive or maybe things that aren't helping them as much? I'm trying to think there's a recent some, someone I was really trying hard to help. And then when we finally were figuring out exactly what was going on, then the family was like coming at us. And I was like, I've been trying to help, you know, for like yeah. months I've been trying to help. And and I know that their anger is just their their fear for their loved one. But I was like, oh man, I really don't need that. Like I've been worried with about him and you're not getting that. Yeah. Like you're not understanding that. Right. So right. Yeah. And was that feeling stress? Yeah. I mean, I was definitely and I also I think, I mean, because my staff was also getting in the middle of, of all this, like, I need this and you need to do this on your day off. And I'm like, mm. no. Uh, not there physically to sign something so yeah so I think I think that's the one that's like really the worst right now because I'm also like oh I hope this person does okay because you know my fear that they had something bad going on was founded yeah 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 so I always think too though like when you're feeling stressed what you tend to be is not very solutions focused you're very problem focused, right? You're you're like, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this isn't good, and it's not going to work because of this. And then, you know, especially with like social situations, it's because like the system's broken, and you know, you know, I mean, right? We right. could go on but and you're on. Single payer. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly, like all of this stuff, right? That that that's the reason. And so then the action is spending time condemning the system, in quotes, the system, right? They're the whatever is failing the patient versus going, okay, if this is the system we have, what are solutions that'll work within this? And fear, stress don't generally drive those actions of going like, okay, what are solutions? It kind of does in the sense that at a certain point, you're like, well, what are we going to do? We have to do something. But it's not as efficient. It's not as productive. And it uses up way more of your energy, your mental energy. And so when you're using up all that energy, then you get home and you're like, ice cream sure sounds good because I really need some energy. (laughs) I need something to comfort myself because I expended so much energy all this on all these negative emotions at work all day today. So that's a that's a really good one to keep on, you know, kind of an eye out for. Like, okay, I will get like these people are all in a tizzy around this whole thing. I can totally see why they're doing that, but I don't have to decide to join them. I can kind of watch it. That's like, you, know, you can be the observer or watcher of your own mind, but you can, you know, observe and watch other people kind of freaking out too without joining them. And that's a skill in and of itself, especially in a work environment. Everybody wants to work together as a team. You're like, well, I'm part of the team. I guess this is how we're thinking about it. Instead of going, does that really serve me? Or like, is that really, does that have an upside for me and the patient? 
Like, how is this going to work out for all of us? Let's figure that out. And, and that comes from a place of managing your emotions and understanding, okay, I'm feeling stressed because I'm afraid right now. Like there's, I have fear of this and this and this. Okay. Well, so those things are probably not happening. We're doing all that. You know, a lot of times we we're afraid of things and then rationally we're like, but that's not going to happen. It's totally fine. Like, and once you acknowledge it, you're like, oh, that's where that stress is coming from. I'm going to just choose a different way to think about this right now. That actually helps me to move that way. And then work is so much less stressful. And then you have a lot less work to do in terms of feeling your emotions rather than eating them. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, I think that that is, you know, a huge part of where that sugar comes in, right? Where it's like, okay, I haven't been really eating that much of it. You know, so that thought of like, I wonder how much I can get away with, it sounds so innocent, but it's like, hey, feeling all these emotions really feels pretty awful. Like, I wonder how much I could get away with. Like, I wonder if I could feel like a little better without eating all of it. And then it's just like, yeah, but what about even a little better than that? A little better than that? A little better than that? You know? Yeah. 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 So, so tell me what your thoughts are about that in terms of applying that to your current situation. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think it's a, a good reminder because when you're in the moment, it's so easy to get sucked one way or another, especially when, I mean, I do have a really great team. And so I also you know, was kind of upset for them kind of being stuck in the middle of sort of a disagreement that wasn't their making and they couldn't fix it. So, you know, and I did sort of point out to them that they're not yelling at you. They're yelling at the, yeah. the illness They're you know, yes. you have to just remember that. But yeah. in the moment you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Right. So I think well, it, it is hard because we to pause, you know? Yeah. We want them to be happy which really is people pleasing. It's really kind of tough as a doctor, especially when they're getting evaluations. And if you know, your compensation is tied to that or whatever, right? You have to do a lot of thought work on the idea that what they think, both good or bad, is 100% about them. It really has nothing to do with you and or your team or any of it, right? And that usually that anger is usually from their fear, like you were saying, right? Like they're just really concerned about the illness. And they want results. They want relief from their emotion that they're feeling that's so uncomfortable. And so they're thinking maybe if I chew everybody out or I'm super demanding, that that's going to create the result that I want. And so we oftentimes jump into that like, oh my gosh, well, this is what they want. We better do it. I mean, you can, but you don't have to, right? You can just see that. Sometimes it's interesting to just think about what someone else's model is. You know, like you see what their A line is, what their action is. You can see what the result is. You can probably guess what their emotion is, and they might even be telling you what they're thinking. And right. you're going like, oh, I get it. I see why that's you know why they're doing what they're doing. So again, it's, this is not necessarily something you have to coach your team about or helping them to change their thoughts because that's their job. And you're certainly not going to be able to change you know the patient or the parent or whoever is upset. But you can just understand that. And that, again, gives you a little bit of that distance rather than like diving into all the drama and all the emotions instead of just going like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I, I see how somebody might respond in that way. It's not how I would respond, but like, okay, you know, I know I'm showing up in the best way I can. I want to do everything I can to help them within reason. And mm-hmm. that still might not be enough. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it isn't, right? I mean, we get that where people are... It's not satisfied for whatever reason. But again, that really is about 
them and not us, which is so hard with all the Prescani stuff and everything, right? Or it's just like, but yeah. well, wait a minute, their thoughts are a reflection of their thinking, not the level of care yeah. that I gave. But yeah, yeah, obviously there's room for feedback and improvement and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that that's a really great example of a time where it's just like there's snacks there, there's something like, let me just grab a handful of this or that. You know, some people do it like they just want to reward themselves for the end of a, you know, difficult clinic or something like that, or just really busy. And so what you can do is spend some time even coming up with like a list sort of of like, these are the times I tend to want it. You know, I know my husband, they have snacks at their office too. And they have like those, you know, those peanut butter filled pretzels. They're Uh like super delicious. So he would, you know, finish up clinic and just grab like a handful, just sort of like as a, like a treat. And this is somebody who really is not an emotional eater and does not have a weight problem. You know, that's where it's like everybody emotionally eats a little bit. But so for him, he had to really recognize like, okay, that's just like this habit. Of course, I'm going to have an urge to eat that regardless of what the day was like, but especially when the day was hard. So that's when I need to be even more aware you know, of like my brain suggesting eating something as, as the solution. And same for you too. So when you can start identifying like, okay, when I'm really missing my daughter, you know, I'm feeling lonely maybe or bored or something like that. Okay. That's, that's an emotion that my brain suggests food for. So, you know, when I'm feeling stressed or fearful or something at work, like that's when I start, my brain starts offering food, but don't get overwhelmed. If you're like pretty much every uncomfortable emotion I have, my brain offers food because that's normal, right? That's just how you've Learn to cope with life. It's just not giving the the result that you want. So then you just, you just, you know, pick away at it time by time. Now the the, the ripping the bandaid off version of this is you just don't eat sugar for a while. Like no sugar, you can have fruit and things like that, but no added sugar for, you know, a number of weeks to just kind of take away that sort of internal craving desire type of thing. Some people like to kind of go slower. I think ripping the bandaid off is better. It's just like, who are we kidding? Yeah. It's going to be hard no matter what. So let's just get it over with. <laughs> right. And I've done it like so many times, like it's ridiculous. Right. But I, but then when I like start to beat myself up about it, I'm like, well, what's my lecture about smoking? You're going to try to quit several times before you actually finally quit. So, you know, at least you're still trying. I mean, honestly, truly, right? Like you're still yeah. in this, you're still game. You're listening to this podcast. You're trying, you're making an effort, but it's so interesting, right? How your husband is like, yeah, there's no way you're going to not eat sugar for a year, you know? But what is so interesting is like, you could totally not eat sugar for a year, you know, like, cause you don't need the support of other people. All you need is your own self knowing that you have your back. And that is really where all of this boils down to is just deciding what you want in your life. And then actually giving it to yourself, just like you would decide what a patient needs and doing that or what your family needs and doing that. It's doing the exact same thing for yourself. And in my program, when I work with people, I mean, that's what we do is, is really working on building up that relationship with yourself where, you know, something happens and you go off plan and you just get right back on again. Because I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it was like, I went off plan. It was like, you know, I might come back in like three or four months when finally my biggest pants are too tight again. And then let's start the yo-yo cycle all over again, right? You know, just over and over again. So it's, it's knowing that you have your own back and practicing that and being willing to mess up and fail and then 
Just having your own back yeah. again, trying again. Exactly. Exactly. There's actually a billboard right above this huge billboard, right above this tobacco shop in town here. That's <laughs> like, it takes most people more than once, you know, or many times or something to quit smoking. <laughs> I was like, that's actually really good advertising <laughs> <laughs> right there. That's pretty good. So, so tell me what a takeaway would be from this coaching session for you. What do you think is actionable for you moving forward? Well, I mean, I, I definitely like the idea of like the write it down and move on worksheet. Like I definitely want to look at that for sure. And then I think I maybe was doing a better job about thinking what's the emotion. Do I really need, like, am I actually hungry or am I thirsty? (laughs) I'm usually actually thirsty. So I need to sort of get back to that. Like that reminder of like, check in with yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. for a while when I was doing really well and I cut up snacks was part of how I got yeah. 10 pounds off. There's plenty more to go though. So I think, you know, I can definitely try to come back to that. Like, no, I actually, I care about myself more than I want that, you know, whatever snack or thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. even when somebody's like offering it to me, like, oh, I've got this just for you. And I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, but I can't eat it. Yeah. Or you just take it and say, thanks. And then you just don't eat it. Right. That's, you know, often what I do, you know, I'm just like, okay, thanks. And save it for someone else. Or, I mean, you can throw it out, whatever. Cause it is really, you know, what's so nice is the gesture, not the eating of the food. Right. Like, it's like, that's so nice that someone got that for you, but it's like, you don't actually have to like chew it up and put it in your belly, (laughs) you know, in order for that transaction, that nice transaction. It's still a nice gesture. Right. Right. But you know, like you were saying, you know, I care about myself enough to not, you know, not do this. Sometimes we're like, no, I don't really care at all. Like what I care about is just feeling better. And I think what it, what is helpful to know, like I care about myself enough to practice feeling these uncomfortable emotions because I know that's the ticket to the freedom that I really want long-term. You know, that's, that is really what it's going to take to get you, you know, to that point where you're just like, oh, what's normal is that I actually just process the emotions instead of just quick grabbing whatever it may be and eating that. And and just knowing that your brain will suggest it because it's just habit. It's right. just like, oh, right, that's what we do. Rather than, you know, it being like, something's wrong. My brain's still suggesting it. Like, <laughs> of course it is. It's okay. My brain does that too, periodically. I'm just like, really? I try to think of ways that it's funny. Like, like how silly that is that my brain would offer that up, you know, like right. of course it's thinking that that food is the solution right now when it isn't, you know? So I think that that those, all the, that kind of mindfulness and awareness is going to be for sure the first step for you and anybody else who's listening, who is really like, I just am so sort of all over. It's like taking all the drama out of it. Right. You know what I mean? And just like not all the ups and downs and the emotions that go along with that and going like, so what's really going on for me? We take all this nonsense away. What's really at the core of this? And that's where your thought downloads come into, you know, taking the the time. It doesn't have to be a long time, but just getting in tune with like, you know, what if a patient, a family, you know, family could be totally mad at me and I didn't want to eat, you know, like what might that look like? Like asking yourself questions like that. Sometimes it can end up being a little bit like a diary entry, you know, but, mm-hmm. but as you're kind of going, well, then this happened, this happened. And then like, oh, and then what if I'd responded differently? Or what was my emotion going on when that happened? That's how you start digging into that deeper work on your own, which is like, you know, even a coach can help you. But when you spend that time doing that, that's when you really start making some serious progress moving forward. So, so I think that this is going to be a good next step for you. Thank you. 
I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being willing to come on the podcast. I know everybody enjoys hearing these coaching calls. So I really appreciate you raising your hand and doing that. Well, thank you for all you're doing because you're, you know, definitely helping lots of people because everyone who said, Hey, how have you lost weight? I'm like, Oh, okay. You don't have to be a physician, but go to this podcast. (laughs) I've had patients who are like, like over 50 who are like, what's a podcast? You know, right. so I'm like teaching them like how to download an app on their, you know, oh, to be able to get it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's fabulous. That's so great. All right. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.